Amen. You may be seated. That's a great answer to a significant question. (laughs) Why am I here? Why am I here? At various points in our lives, we might raise that question. Young people can, what's my life about? Why am I here anyway? And on the opposite end of things, the very oldest of us can say, why am I here? Why am I still here? The reason I live is to worship you, Heavenly Father. For the Father desires his creation, to worship him and honor him, and he receives great blessing from that, and that is the the best use of our life, whatever age we are, to worship God and to know we've pleased him by doing so. And so I, I thank you for coming, being part of this worship this morning. Now, I'm not going to dismiss any boys and girls or anybody to Sunday school because this is our our communion Sunday, but let me tell you that beginning today, we are reactivating our Sunday school program, and so our littlest ones are in class this morning. The the preschoolers, the ones right out of the nursery, kind of age three to five, they have their class, and the lower elementary, grades one, two, three, I believe, They are having their class next week. We will have classes uh, through uh, the age. And so with September, we'll start our, our ministry as normal in that way. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, as we open your word now, we pray that the spirit who inspired that word might have full access to our minds and hearts. So, Father, help us right now to consciously yield our mind and our hearts to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that he would, in fact, teach us, enlighten us, strengthen us, bring us whatever it is that we need right now, that you might be honored in this gathering, that your word might be upheld and accurately presented. For we ask this in Jesus' name. For the sake of his church, amen. Now today, of course, we're preparing our hearts for communion. I'm going to share just a meditation this morning, a a briefer uh, part of God's word to ready us for that time of communion. But as we prepare our hearts, I would have us continue the process of putting our hope to work. We started that a week or so ago. After we examined, discovered 22 hope-generating revelations in the Scripture, now it's time to say, how do you put all that hope to work? We're not going to have 22 messages, but we're going to have, I think, 10, selecting certain hopes we found in the Scripture and identifying them and saying, now how do you put that to work in daily life? How do we deploy it? That's the word we're using. And last week... We established a framework for this process, an outline, if you will, for the way our messages will go. We will have in each message a passage entitled, My Hope Discovered, and then My Hope Defined, and then My Hope Deployed, and we started that last week. Here's how that template applies to this week's message. Here's the first item, My Hope Discovered. Remember we said last week, make all these personal. When I read the phrase, my hope, I'm talking about Mark. 
But when you read it, don't you say, Mark. Mark's hope is. No, my hope is, but as you read it, it's yours, right? It's going to be your hope as you review this message to say to yourself, this is, this is my hope. This is what I find in the scripture. This is what God has for me to, to stand upon. This is one of those things that will stabilize me, that will energize me, and that will categorize me as people look at me, they'll say, ah, you're one of those hopeful people. And so personalize each one. Now here's the scripture. Here's the one we've discovered. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Now the dwelling of God is with man and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Now, that hope-generating revelation is found in the next to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. It's a coming reality. It's not here yet. When that verse begins by saying now, it's not talking about the year 2020. It's talking about something that is at least a thousand and seven years away. That would be the seven years of the tribulation if Jesus returned today, plus the thousand years of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this old earth, and then comes a new heaven and a new earth that God creates, and that's what the word now is referring to in this verse. Now, after God has, and John said, I saw, chapter 21, Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and in that moment, he could say, now. And God himself could announce, now, the dwelling of God is with man, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. This is a reality that God the Father waited a long time to share. He hinted at things like this in the Old Testament, the New Testament, but it wasn't until the very nearly the end of the Apostle John's life that the Lord Jesus was given permission to share with John these things about how all of this will wrap up. And so John shares it with us. God waited till then to share it. Of course, the Church of Jesus Christ has been reading about it ever since, stretching out almost 2,000 years now. It's a shame, it's a revelation of how things will be on the new earth that God will one day bring into being. It reveals God's ultimate plan for mankind. So when you look around, when things are kind of, don't say yourself, or if you ask the question, is this it? Is this it? I know I've been saved. I know I'm born again. I know I'm part of the church of Jesus Christ. I know there's a fellowship with God that's possible. But, I mean, is this it? The answer is no. No, this isn't it. It is yet to come. And John here was given a a picture of it. And we're talking about it some. There's coming a day when God will dwell with men upon a brand new created earth. And so it's a discovery, a discovery that surely generates, should generate hope in the heart of every born-again child. It's a hope that has sustained untold numbers of believers through 
days of incredible difficulty. Here's how we define the hope. How I would have each of us personalize it and frame it as kind of an expectation. Like, I'm looking forward to this. I'm expecting this. I've got it on my calendar, even though it's many, many pages from where I am today. It's something that we can truly look forward to. So here we say, my hope defined. Put it into this expectant form. I, that's you, we're reading it for ourselves. I will one day live in the new Jerusalem on the new earth and will enjoy perfect fellowship with my Abba Father. That's coming. My hope's in that. That's coming. It's a long, long ways from now, but, but you know it's going to go by like that. Especially once we, are, we pass into the Lord's presence, however we do it, through the doorway called death or by the rapture, once we pass into the Lord's presence and we are glorified in our glorified bodies, we'll be in that eternal realm where I think it'll just zip right on by. And before we know it, we'll be coming down from heaven as part of that new Jerusalem being fashioned, being placed on this new earth. And this will be our reality that we're reading about. One day I'm going to live that way. One day I will live in the new Jerusalem on the new earth and I will enjoy perfect fellowship with my Abba Father. It's coming. It's in the offing. It's on the books. It's in the plan. We can put our hopes in it and be sure of them. See, at that point, we will be in a glorified state, as I said. We'll be completely removed from sin. We will be completely removed from our former fallen fleshly condition. And therefore, we ourselves will be capable of the truest kind of fellowship with our almighty Heavenly Father. Have you ever sought fellowship with God today and discovered sin got in the way? You're praying and some thought goes through your head where before you know it, you're praying vengeance on some person. And God, would you just take care of them? Oh, no. God, would you make me more loving and kind when I deal with them? But see, sin can get in the way. People can get in the way. Sinners can botch up our our fellowship while we're in this world. But not then. We'll be completely removed from sin altogether. We will be not only declared holy by God, we will be holy and can have perfect fellowship with a holy God. That's what our hope here is we're talking about. So that's one tremendous hope discovered in the scripture that we've just defined for ourselves. We will know the Father the way that Jesus knew the Father when Jesus walked on the earth. We will know the Father the way that Adam and Eve were enabled to know the Father in the very beginning. How good is that going to be? So now I ask myself, how can I deploy this hope? If that's a hope I have as a Christian of someday experiencing that relationship with God, How can I deploy this hope into the realities of my life right now? How can I put this particular hope of perfect fellowship someday to work in my life? Well, I'd like to share with you this morning just one way to do it. 
one approach to take. So we call it now my hope deployed. How do I put this kind of hope into action in a way that it makes a difference and somehow benefits my life while I'm still in the midst of this fallen world? How do I release this hope? Well, here's one way. Say to yourself, since my hope is that I will one day enjoy perfect fellowship on the new earth with my Abba Father, I will focus on fellowship with him every day I spend on this old earth. My hope is in having flawless, perfect fellowship with God on the new earth. Well, I will focus then on fellowship with him every day that I spend on this old earth. Even though there's snags and hang-ups and difficulties, I'm going to give myself to it. I'm going to give myself to it. And so I wanted to share with you this morning four expressions of the kind of fellowship we can have with God right now. And it's real fellowship, and it will bless us, It'll encourage us, and it'll get us heading toward that ultimate fellowship that we will enjoy someday. Number one, and notice each one of these expressions contains a key phrase from the Lord's Prayer, just to help us through there. Number one, I will fellowship with him, that is with my heavenly Father, in worship. In worship. Jesus said, when you pray, here's a phrase to use, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How many of you felt a little bit of God's presence this morning? When you sing those songs, when you bow yourself before him in prayer, do you not feel, or do you feel like we're just going through the motions? And you kind of say, well, one of these Sundays, maybe it'll work. Or does it work? When you open up your heart, to the Almighty God, when you yield yourself to the Spirit of God as He nudges you to to come even to a place of surrender or confession or an understanding you've not had before, and you said, you know, the Spirit of God was there today. I, I felt the power of God in the room as I gathered with other members of His family. There's fellowship in worship. That's why it's important that we worship and as much as possible to get together to worship because as we do God is here God makes himself he inhabits the scripture says the praises of his people so there's a sense in which yes he's here and fellowship is real not complete not perfect but it's real and it can impact us You see, whenever we make his name hallowed, whenever we acknowledge he is holy and awesome in our eyes, we are engaging in worship and and something of him just gets, gets closer to us. And we understand something more of our heavenly father. And our hearts are drawn to him. And our spirit is encouraged by him. So I will fellowship with him in worship. We can continually say to ourselves, my daddy is. The littlest children back there down our hallway 
can talk about their daddy as though he's, he's beyond their ability to completely comprehend, but what they comprehend they are so delighted in. My daddy is so strong. My daddy is so smart. Now we know they all grow up to discover that daddy isn't quite at the level they thought. But here's the deal. Our heavenly daddy is. And when we worship him as children, we get into that feeling that he can do anything and he can. He knows everything and he does. He can take care of us perfectly and he does. My daddy is and he's my daddy. And he loves me. And he welcomes me. I would encourage you to review the 30 attributes that we've uh, identified of our Heavenly Father regularly. Regularly. Because that's who your daddy is. And, as, and he is that to you. And when you worship him for whom he is, there's a, there's a tie, a connection, a fellowship that is real. Here's another such expression. I will fellowship with him in prayer. Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, how would be your name? We need to understand who he is and honor him for being who he is. But then give us this day our daily bread. Just that thought reminds us that he cares for us. He cares for you. You know, it's most ideal when prayer and petition arises out of worship and fellowship. When it arises out of the fellowship that's filled with genuine amazement and delight. Instead of just running right before your father in prayer and saying, I got a whole list. I got my list ready and Jesus said to ask for my daily bread and boy do I, I need all kinds of bread today. When we come and establish a fellowship in worship, there's a, there's a fellowship. There's a relationship. And always in the midst of such worship fellowship, there comes a time when either party to the fellowship can and generally will ask, is there anything I can do for you? You get together with people you love, you get together with them and just enjoy the relationship you have. Somewhere along the line, somebody's probably going to ask, by the way, is there, is there anything I can do for you? That's because it's been established that we are connected. It's been established that there's a love between us. There's a, a concern for each other. And, and so it just bubbles out. Is there anything I can do for you? And then the other person can say, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Have you ever thought when you're praying to wait until God says, is there anything I could do for you today before you blurt out what you need? In fact, the only reason you're praying in the first place is because the need is so big and so great that you start right out with, oh, God, help me with. Wouldn't it be better to build that that fellowship in a spirit of praise and worship, and, and then you hear God say, oh, by the way, is there anything, my child, 
that I could do for you today? And do we ever say, Father, is there, uh, you know, I'm not much, I'm just me, but is there anything I could do for you today? I just say that phrase and I know what's running through my wife's mind. Who, by the way, as of tomorrow, will be, have been my wife for 52 years. Which is a, an amazing, an amazing tribute to her. Uh, her graciousness, her spirit control, her all these things. But uh, that phrase, when our son was just, uh, what, maybe two or three. He was just in a preschool somewhere. She came in to pick him up and the class was singing this song and Jeffrey, who's now a a pastor in Indiana, he was singing with all his heart, is there anything I can do for you? Little song, the kids, you know, is there anything I can do for you? God loves us to ask that question. You know, the Almighty, I don't need anything. Yeah, he does. Everything God would do in this world, he does through his people. So when there's a fellowship established, then that question can arise, and then a petition has a context, and it's not a demand, but it's a response. And so we can fellowship with our Heavenly Father in prayer, and even in the matter of sharing our needs, and to do so without uh, it just being a, we're, we're only there for that purpose. Let that moment come. It's a question, you see, is there anything I can do for you? It's a question born of respect and love. And that's the way our petitions ought to arise. And allow your Heavenly Father, give him permission to decide when and how he asks the question. He knows what we need. He knows when it needs to be identified. And he knows how it should be addressed. But in this fellowship, he will inquire of you. Because he desires to give you your daily bread. To provide for you exactly what is needed for you to fulfill your part in his plan in this world. Third thing now. Third expression of present day fellowship. I will fellowship with him that is my heavenly father in study. That is in seeking to learn his truth. In study. The Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation. Well, I got to know what temptation is. I got to know what the straight and the narrow path is. If I'm asking God, don't lead me this way, but lead me this way. So we need to know God's will and God's way. We need to resolve to keep in step with his spirit. The Father always leads us through the truth of his word. His word identifies the path that the Holy Spirit would have us walk on. His word and his son will keep us free from the sin that would interrupt our fellowship with him. And so I will make God's truth my truth. 
I will fellowship with him in study, in the meditation and the understanding of his truth, his desires. And as a result, I will be led exactly the way he wants me to be led. And then just the last one, I will fellowship with him in life. That is in my daily activity. In my daily activity, and the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. This world's full of it. And behind the evil, there is an evil one. And so as we fellowship with God, we rely upon our Heavenly Father's authority over evil itself and the evil one. We're not living on the new earth yet. We're living on the earth that has been put under the influence, the Bible says, of the prince of the power of the air. The fallen one himself, Lucifer, Satan, he's real. And he seeks to destroy, destroy the works of God and confuse the people of God and mess up the plans of God. But you see, we live in fellowship with our Heavenly Father who has already pronounced the final sentence on this evil one. We live companion by the Spirit of God who enabled Jesus Christ when he walked this earth in the flesh to defeat the evil one every single time. We carry the name of Jesus upon us. We belong to his church and we participate in his triumph over sin and death. And therefore, we anticipate full and complete deliverance even while we walk every day in enemy territory. I will fellowship with my Heavenly Father in life, in every activity, every day, knowing that his authority is greater than the authority of the one who would seek to defeat me. And understanding that just deepens the sense of fellowship we have with our Heavenly Father. So our final thought says this, deploy your hope, this particular hope, deploy your hope in a sweet, deep, present-day fellowship with your Heavenly Abba. It's a fellowship that will almost make this old earth seem like the new one. As we said, it'll be life that has the scent of heaven on it already. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with your Heavenly Father. There's coming a day it'll be perfect, and because there is, I can seek to make it as much as it can possibly be in my life right now. In fact, I will. I will focus on fellowship with him every single day. Our Heavenly Father, you make that a possibility. And Father, we yearn for the day when we'll be on that new earth and there'll be nothing destructive, nothing distracting. Everything will be honoring to you. Everything will be from you. Everything that we are involved in will be consistent with you and your ways. But Father, that's not how it is on this old earth. 
fact, as we walk around these days, it's hard to find much that is consistent with you and your ways at all. Those with the loudest voices in our society know nothing of fellowship with the Holy God, know nothing of fellowship with the Savior of the world, know nothing of living their lives by, by your standards. And so, Father, that can become difficult for us. But we resolve. By the strength of the Holy Spirit, we resolve to focus upon fellowship, ongoing fellowship with you every single day. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for a church service where we can make you the focus of it. Father, as we prepare ourselves for the rest of this morning, just so overwhelm us with, with yourself that it'll be all we can focus on. For we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.